Hey, you're here with Ned Hennigan. You're listening to the Running Rugby Podcast. So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. and welcome back to another year at the Running Rugby Podcast. That's right, 2019 is going to be a big year. Got lots coming up, including the World Cup later this year. But before we get to all that, we've got plenty plenty ahead in these first couple of months of the year. I'm joined with Toby and Leo. How are you going, boys? How was your break? It was good, mate. I, um, I'm over here in the UK, so it's very cold at the moment. It's um, It's been a bit gloomy, but... You know, I'm, gl- I'm glad to actually have some rugby back into my life and um, Six Nations this weekend, so I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, I'm ready for some rugby. It's been a been a longish off-season, or by the feels of it, and um, we've got so much coming this Sydney Sevens this weekend, Super Rugby Trials. It's all getting going again. That's right. It feels like it's all starting to kick off again. You've got the Super Rugby coming up, Sydney Sevens, like you said. Uh, Major League Rugby kicking off in the States as well. And the Six Nations about to all all come to a head, and we'll start to see a bit more of a picture of what we expect to see later in this year. It's all about preparations for the World Cup for 2019. It feels like everyone's looking forward to that tournament in Tokyo later on this year. Uh, but we've got to start down at the club scene. Let's start with Super Rugby. Let's have a look at the squads in 2019 and some of the changes. So we can probably start with the Brumbies. A few. Notable sort of inclusions and things. We we already knew Pete Samu was coming across, but we've also seen the a bit bit of a second chance for players like James Slipper coming in and like a few of the Reds trio. He's left Queensland and he's tried to find a new home down there in ACT in Canberra. Yeah, Slips. I think it's like we've seen. We're going to talk about this. There's um, been a few exodus through Queensland into of, of really good players like Quaid. Carmichael and Slips and they've all got opportunities now particularly James Slipper I think probably you know he had a story where it could have gone off the rails for him a bit but he's been able to kind of um, get his life back together a little bit and I think it'll give him a fresh lease on life being at the Brumbies and their look their front row stocks are are pretty strong Um, they've got some talent there in the forwards so I think overall the Brumbies it's might, it might actually more come down to their coaching this year. I think we were pretty happy with their forwards last year, but their backs were still kind of forming combinations and and there was a bit of lack of depth with those playmakers. So it's it's a bit of a transition year still for the Brumbies. I think they're, they've got some top players, but they're still bringing those young guys through. But yeah, I still think they're going to be a decent outfit. Yeah, healthy competition, bringing James Slipper in, keeping the Brumbies front row honest. And, um, you know, he'll be pushing pretty hard to, to get a few starts. And, and, you know, he's got some some huge number of test caps. He's got 80-odd test caps, doesn't he? He's actually one of our highest I think he's, props. He might be in the 90s, I think. Is he? I yeah, think it was 90 tests or we, something. Yeah. We forget how experienced this guy is. And, and he's had a stumble last year. But, no, great to see him get another fresh opportunity. And I'm sure he'll be really motivated and driven to have an impact and get back in the starting lineup. 
Yeah, and he was pretty much at the start of last Super Rugby season. Everyone was talking about how how he'd had a bit of a rebirth and come back onto the scene as pretty much um, the best prop in Australia for a bit of that time. Just looking up, his, his caps is 86 for the Wallabies. So, yeah, he's almost hitting that sort of 90 thing. And I think he'd be hoping to break back into that Wallabies squad. But, yeah, like you said, the first the first challenge is going to be taking a spot for the starting lineup when you've got uh, props like Scott Co and Alan Alalatoa there. He'd be looking to try and crack crack into the starting lineup and join Falau Fahengir as that starting front row. It's pretty remarkable that he's only 29. He's turning 30 in June, so he feels like he's been around forever. And he he was a mainstay of the Wallabies set up for a long time before he's kind of fallen a little bit from grace. But you know, yeah, look, I think he's a quality player and a good leader for that team. Um, you know, he was captain at Reds for for quite a while, so really good addition by the Brumbies. Otherwise, they they lose Izzy Nicerani to the Rebels um, in their number eights. As I said, they gained Pete Samu. Whether they have a out-and-out eight or whether David Pocock's going to be still playing that sort of number eight role with Samu at seven. And hopefully a healthy Rob Valentini will see this year as well. Yeah, that's key, isn't it? Rob Valentini, like we didn't see enough of him last year. He, he went down early. Um but massive loss, I think, Nicerani for the Rebels. I don't know why they really need another back rower, but he's decided to go down there. And, yeah, I think another loss probably in the second row, Richie Arnold. I think he he was coming on a little bit towards the start of the season last year and forming a combination with his brother. Um, but he's moved over to Japan. So, um, you know, they've still got some quality guys there in the second row. But, yeah, sorry to see him go so quickly. Does it surprise you guys that they haven't done more to recruit in the backs? Like, they've lost Kyle Godwin, that you look at teams like the Rebels who are just overflowing with, with startable players, yeah. and, and the Brumbies are sitting there with a bunch of, uh, like, lower-tier players, un, unknown combinations. Like, they're, they're just not well-developed, and they're going to be putting quite a lot of uh, pressure on those guys to, to carry the attack in 2019 in a World Cup year where everyone's pushing hard, performing for their spot in a national squad. Are the Brumbies going to have enough in the backs or is that going to be their weak point all year long? It's crazy, like, when you think about the centres, like you say, like the Rebels have people like, and we'll get to it a bit sooner, but people like Billy Meeks and Tom English um, down at the Rebels that might be struggling to get um, any sort of starting roles. And you could see them come into this, if they came up to Canberra, they'd, probably easily get onto um, the starting or at least, at least a bench spot in these sort of teams to sort of help control it. But, I mean, Tavita Kurandrani's come back. He had a strong showing in their trial game. He scored three tries. Um, but then you look at who else they're going to rely on. Is it going to be Jordan Jackson-Hope or someone? Yeah, I think in the centres, I think Ray Simone is probably a decent addition if they can get him into form. He, he started well at the Waratahs and then really fell off. Um, so he's a big ball carrying center. Um, so he could potentially play inside center and you could have Davida at, at 13 if they weren't going for those two playmakers together. But it's, I think the issue here is look, they've got some decent scrum halves, but I think at fly half, they're still really putting a lot of pressure and, and hanging their hopes a bit on the former Christian Lee Leofano. And we all know he's a good player. He's a quality player, but he's been through a lot and I think he's still yet to get back to his absolute best. So You've still got hardware there, 
But if you keep kind of moving these guys around, don't get set with with a 10 consistently, I think they're going to struggle again. And then it's like, do you really want to play Hawera and Lila Fana together? I'm not really sure that's the best combination either. So, again, I think you're right, boys, to say, look, they haven't probably recruited enough in their backs. There are some decent guys there, even like Tony Pulu, for example, on the wing coming from the Chiefs. Mm. He's a quality player, a great finisher. But if you look across the rest of the back line, I think their depth is lacking a little bit. If they pick up some key injuries, guys like Spate, who are known to go down regularly, I think they're going to be in trouble when they're going to have to use a lot of these young guys that probably aren't you know, super ready at, um, at super level. Especially, you're talking about injury, what about if someone like Tom Banks, who's been such a revelation for them, goes down? They really, I'd, looking through their squad, I'd struggle to see who they'd put into fullback to cover that. And you think with the whole reduction to four Australian teams and, oh, we're trying to make sure every team is strong and has good depth, and the Brumbies' backline to me still looks like a, a backline when we had five teams and everyone had a few holes across the board. Brumbies have massive holes. As you said, Tom Banks, or imagine if you lose Kuradrani, like you've just got nothing inexperienced. Like you've only got inexperienced players to fall back on and you can't afford to, to have a three four-week stretch where you don't have that security in, in your centres. All these all these other high-speed offence teams will, will tear them apart if they're bringing in, you know, debutantes almost or, you know, very experienced players without the sort of defensive combinations. They'll, they'll get torn apart. Honestly, I think it comes down to maybe Canberra's a less attractive destination to go to to play rugby. Melbourne doesn't have any issue bringing talent in because the city is there. It's a team on the rise, and it's, you know, even though all the depth is in Melbourne at the moment, players still want to go there and play. And then Queensland, you've got Brisbane, who's a very livable city as well. So I think, you know, Canberra does have a harder task in terms of attracting players when they're not a top team. It used to be, I think, you know, when the Brumbies started off, they were an expansion team. They brought in players, and they kind of formed a bond together as a team, and they won quickly. And then we've seen more recently they've had struggles in terms of being a high-performing team in the last five years. And I think then from that point onwards, they've struggled to actually attract top talent. That is definitely the perception, though. At the end of every season, you, you still see them sort of pushing for one of those top spots. They still seem to piece it together with a few of these youngsters, a few of these homegrown sort of talent. Um, they're, they're tough Tough players that come out of sort of Canberra playing in the cold sort of through their winter. So, I know, I, I, I agree, it doesn't look like a lot of talent, but sometimes you, you can't quite look at them and judge them by their names. Yeah, and I think, look, we'll do a full preview on our next pod. We can talk about this in more depth. But, yeah, I think we've identified maybe some, some issues in terms of depth, particularly in their back line. Mm. Let's move on to the Reds. Uh, so... Brad Thorne's Reds and uh, he's come out and sort of said he, he wished well to those that he sort of let go in, in terms of, like we said, Carmichael Hunt, James Slipper, um, Quaid's obviously left there as well. They haven't brought in a huge amount of new talent there. Uh, they've lost other experienced players like Kane Douglas and George Smith uh, are both left at their forward pack. And then in the backs, they'll, they'll lose um, Isaiah Parisi and Carmichael Hunt, like I said. 
Um, only bring in they've got Seth and Ivali from the Rebels. Any anyone else you're sort of excited to see from there, boys? They got Bryce Hegarty in that trade with Carmichael, so um, that's not a not a star player that you know is known in every lounge room, but certainly an experienced player, very flexible and versatile. So between the the experience of Hegarty and Seth are coming in, that they've they've covered a bit of what they've lost in the back line, and, and bearing in mind as well that Carmichael and Quaid with all their caps, weren't actually playing last year and the Reds were still very competitive. Crueled, a lot of their chances crueled by some untimely injuries, really. Uh, so the backs aren't looking too bad. And I guess the forward side of things, I would say that Brad Thorne is continuing with his uh, you know, development methodology, strategy, call what you will, that the young guys get their opportunity after the senior guys either move on or just a... Just, uh, Outplayed, and so someone like is it Harry Hawkins, the second rower, yeah. who was yeah. playing pretty well when he came on last year, but not playing full matches, not starting the game. Um, you see Kane Douglas go, and that's a massive loss. Brad Thorne's going to be in that locker room saying, "Harry, it's your time to step up. This spot is yours for the taking. Come, come forward and earn it." Um, and look, what he's done with a lot of fairly unpolished players at the start of their tenure in a super rugby side and what, what we've seen all these guys develop into if, if, if they're all going to come through on a similar trajectory with his support and the, all the assistance um, to assist then I, I, have, I have confidence that he'll get a lot out of those young guys uh, he's done, done a job um, giving them some experience off the bench and blooding them last year behind the experience and now it's their turn to step up yeah, I agree with that, Leo, but I, something that concerns me, I probably hadn't realised this before, that how many experienced guys that are actually lost. Um, and it still is a young team. They have got a few more games under their belt in general, these young guys, but just losing guys like Slipper, Douglas, George Smith, Quaid, John O'Lance, like Ben Lucas, um, Carmichael. Like I know some of these guys weren't in the team much last year, but it's, um, yeah, it's going to be a test for them I think still in terms of leadership um, but having someone like Brad Thorne there you can't ask for a better leader in terms of a coach so I'm confident they can still probably take a step forward from the, what they were last year um, really good to see Sefa come in here and I think um, losing Parisi was a, a massive loss for the club but Sefa now gets possibly more of an opportunity that he would have got um, down at the Rebels so hopefully he can stay fit and, and really look to score some tries this year because you could see him really forming a good partnership with Jordan Patea there in that back line. Karevi, newly named captain. Um, you mentioned just then Patea. I was just going to ask you boys, do you see those two forming a centre pairing for this team? Do you think Patea, they want to grow him into an outside centre? I think they could. I, I think Seth has also had his um, time in the centres, which I'm not as much of a fan as seeing him on the wing, but he, but he's done it. And that's that's the other thing. Like you talk about development guys, um, we weren't talking about those those really young guys, Jordan Patea. We we're talking a bit about Hamish Stewart, but um, they're guys that weren't there as their sort of headline guys at the start of the year, and they've come through. And you're pretty confident that Hamish Stewart can run the run the team around at ten. They've got good scrum half depth. I think I think um, Karevi and Jordan Patea in the centres is a pretty strong combination. I particularly like seeing Karevi at 12 rather than 13, but um, again, he's flexible. I don't think they've got an obvious other 12 than him, so I'd say that's where he'll start. And then, yeah, you've got 
Aiden Toa, you've got uh, Sefa. Um, Filippo Dalgunu, he burst still got Dalgunu. Yeah, so like that's that's still I would say that's still a stronger lineup than the Brumbies can feature, and then it's just the depth after that. They've probably lost that layer of experience that gave them um, the sort of the leadership and the depth to cover injuries. So it's it's who they've got to step up behind that. Yeah, it's whether they play power at, at twelve. That's the other person that they could go for. But then again, you're looking at that double playmaking combination that they didn't really stick with much last year. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's still an exciting young backline. I think um, there's going to be plenty of tries scored. It's just whether they can, you know, get their defence together and, and keep other teams out. I mean, they did pretty well with that last year, but it's always a challenge when you're still forming new combinations in a backline. You you do get the sense though this is 100% Brad Thorne's team, and he's not really taking too much um, from sort of other areas. It's amazing looking at the people they're bringing in and. Other than obviously some of those bigger names like Sefer and Hegarty, um, everyone else they've brought in from Queensland country, everyone else is just from local clubs that, you know, Brad Thorne may have even had a previous hand in, in growing these younger players and they're really trying to build up that base a lot, I think. Yeah, which is great. And I, I think I really like how they're going back to the, the Maroon jersey. I really think that is a nice touch as well. Um, going back to that retro look, um, Brad Thorne just yeah, he seems to have the right approach to everything um, and if they start to get some wins you can just see that momentum building they didn't quite get that going enough last year in terms of getting those wins but um, look I think we're going to see an improved team Speaking of another improved team let's look at the Melbourne Rebels and it's, <laughs> we were talking about last year how they seem to have an overwhelming amount of talent and they seem to just keep bringing in people um, and it's amazing they can fit all these people on their roster. You're getting people back, like we already mentioned, Izzy Nicerani from the Brumbies, Luke Jones returning from France, from Bordeaux, um, to the team as well, uh, previously touted as uh, a potential six or second row, even for Wallaby sort of way. And Quade Cooper coming down from the Reds, as well as Matt Tamua, albeit later on in the season, uh, will hopefully be joining from the Leicester Tigers as well. Yeah, and I think we look. We go back to to what we talked about last year with the Rebels. Like you say, Arch, they're just there's no excuses anymore. And I think they've got the talent, they've got the depth, and these guys know it now. Like there's, they've had that year to kind of form those combinations with some of the force players. Um, even though you got some quality guys coming in, I think overall there's there's not much really for them to put on hold now. It's it's about winning and it's about building this. This um this team that's really always showed a lot of promise, but never quite delivered on a consistent basis. So I think I'm excited to see these guys run around, and particularly with their coach Dave Vessels leading the ship again. I think he's only going to get better. Yeah, the Rebels had such a strong start last year. Dave Vessels will learn a lot from what happened later in the season, where things started falling apart and they struggled travelling. But they've got so much depth, so much experience. They're drawing in a lot of big names. There's huge competitions for almost every position on the park. Um, you'd have to be expecting a lot from the Rebels. And, and behind all of the the super rugby side of things, you've got the World Cup again. You've got guys competing for a spot in the Rebels lineup, which gives them the exposure to perhaps earn a spot in the national squad for the World Cup. So huge motivators there for that, for that group of players. And hopefully 
it's a it's a you know fairly uh, healthy amount of competition and, and you know the guys are helping each other develop and and doesn't just get sort of negative and and like overly competitive and guys feeling like they're hard done by if wessels can keep more positive and and working really hard and helping each other out like just the training set the intensity of a training session when you can almost feel two decent sides um pretty good opposed work they're going to get a lot out of that and that'll keep them strong through the season if there are injuries mm. I've still just, just someone that uh, sorry to sorry to interrupt just quickly Campbell Campbell Magne. Have you do you remember him from the Reds? Yeah, I was going to say he. I recall is he, he spent time in league as well, or is he, or is that his family? No, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, it might be his his um his dad or something, or or cousins were playing league. But he went to Japan, and he's a massive like he's in terms of an outside center. I think he was playing for the Reds. He's about six foot four, hundred kilos, and he's only twenty two years old. Like. Some of these guys in the Rebels' backline, they're just going to have a massive backline with guys like Meeks, Tom English is a big dude, Campbell Magne, DHP, Maddox. Like, they're just, they're rangy, they're big guys, they got height. So, yeah, plenty of talent there and a lot to look forward to from them too. It's funny though, you list those people and you could almost, you could make a backline so easily without including pretty much any of them. You think about you getting Genia, you think probably Quaid's going to come in at 10. Um, considering they've lost Debrazini over to the Chiefs. Uh, you've got Reese Hodge. You've got, like, oh, whether you do have, like, Tom English there or whether you have um, Bill Meeks in the centres as well. And then you have Maddox and you're going to have Marika Corabidi and Dan Hanlipetti at the back. Um, is there even yeah. room for all these other guys? Again, I don't think there is. I think there's. you're going to have guys like Meeks. You're going to have guys even, like, Occasionally, Maddox sitting on the bench. Tom English, who's the the captain, may not consistently get a run. So again, it comes back to if we get look again at the centralized model that New Zealand has, this kind of situation wouldn't really happen because they spread the players out. They say, okay, look, I mean, Brumbies, could you take Tom English? Could he play thirteen for you? Could he play twelve for you? Whatever Bill makes, you should be playing at the Brumbies, like. So they kind of would sort that out. But again, we're seeing this congestion of players at certain positions for the Rebels. So it does just end up that guys end up leaving after a year or two when they don't get their opportunity. Um, but their recruitment is as such. They just seem to keep getting good guys. And that's that maybe is part of it, that the guys who are coming in and are that second second pick, the, the backups and the depth, uh, are, may know more than we do. They may look at someone like Tom English, who's might be saying around the locker room, look, if I don't get into the Wallaby squad this year, I'm probably going to look at signing overseas or mm. they may know these guys are only here for a year um, or they might get poached into Europe or poached into Japan anyway. And then they're in a strong team. They've been um, developing under-experienced, talented players. They've learned the system and by the time they actually walk onto the field for the first minute as a starter they're they're really primed and ready to go and it's i suppose it's a luxury that the rebels have at the moment that they can be developing along that lines but like you said the centralized model would be trying to disperse that talent more evenly before they let teams get too much depth and just hoard all the stronger players and stronger young developing players Mm. but in i mean in saying this i think 
If it's a problem, it's a good problem to have in Melbourne at the Rebels because we want this franchise to be successful. Having seen, having seen the force disappear out of Super Rugby, um, you know, the Rebels, I think it's very important from a perspective of having rub, rugby popular in Victoria that the Rebels do well. So in some ways, you would see this in the past maybe at the Waratahs where they're kind of hogging a bit of the talent, but now it seems to be more of an issue in Melbourne. So hopefully they can translate that into a finals appearance and kind of push some of these New Zealand teams a bit further. Yeah, Melbourne's definitely a sporting town and they will back success. You see what the Melbourne Storm did to a perf, uh, original AFL town and now they've got so much support down there. Hopefully the Rebels can do the same. Exactly. Let's go and look at the Tars, um, our sort of home team here. and A few big names sort of coming back into the fold. We've already mentioned um, Carmichael Hunt, but... Um, Swoopy, Adam Ashley Cooper returning from Japan is coming back to town. Um, he also got some big names. Israel Folau's brother, John Folau, is joining. Um, and then their other sort of signing that they've been advertising a lot is the big South African lock, LaRue um, Ruitz, the 24-year-old um, mammoth from, from South Africa. Uh, they've been touting him as a bit of a, a big name and a key member in their plans for 2019. I got a question. Is John Folau really a big name? What do we know about John Folau? He's, he's not a big name. He's only a big name because his brother. We know he's semi-failed in league. And yeah. now Israel's been able to talk them into... And you never know. I mean, I don't want to say that John Folau hasn't deserved his place in the Waratahs. He may have you know, impressed in whatever recruitment they did and, and earned his place there. But Israel could have easily kind of fix this into his contract as well and said look you know I want my brother here as well at least for a year or two to give him a chance yeah oh, I, can, I can imagine that, that it could have been done yeah. but so what, I mean who I, knows yeah I, I wouldn't I say thinking, big name yeah what I'm thinking is is this another case where the Waratahs the Waratahs do tend to bring in um, the biggest signings they tend to uh, fill their gaps with strong star players from other teams or even players like Adam Ashley Cooper coming back to town. We, we don't tend to see them developing their own a lot. Um, and sometimes all their, all their promotions and their, you know, their, their big news of sign this player feels a little bit more um, noise than news. Like it's, it's not really like what, what, what makes me as a, as a Waratahs fan excited about Oh, a Falau, a Falau sibling, like they haven't shown us anything of what he's done. They've just said, "Oh, he's a great talent. He's an exceptional athlete." Just all the generic kind of comments. Whereas, you know, that they've got Adam Ashley Cooper coming back in. That's that's an obvious um, big one to talk up. They they've done a better job of the South African recruit. Um, I still think they're well short in their second row stocks. It just it just feels like again they've they've got some big high flyer signings and we don't hear anything about the smaller guys that they've picked up and I don't see them developing their own players as much as the other super rugby sides yeah I think that's a luxury sometimes that the Waratahs have as well they again they probably find it easier to attract talent so they get a bit lazy with some of their recruitment and um you know what? The problem is that that we've seen problems even with like Jake Gordon sitting behind Phipps for too long. You know, sometimes the players aren't managed correctly, 
And so they get disinterested and leave. So some of these guys that we should be retaining are leaving. And then we're bringing in quick fixes, maybe guys like John Folau that haven't really proven themselves in rugby and they're still learning the game. And yet they're making up, you know, how many outside backs do we have? Maybe like six or seven and he's one of those. Yeah, and, and how does that make a developing player feel when someone like John Folau gets plucked out of nowhere you, and they've been putting in the yards? Really frustrated. And yeah. also that you're not getting promoted. Say that you're a you know, one of the top young guys coming through, nineteen, twenty years old from Shoot Shield or wherever, and your name doesn't whole get NRC, out there at all. Got a whole NRC competition. Did John yeah. Flower come out of the NRC? He's, he's signed by the Sydney Raiders as well. Yeah, but he hasn't played, right? So he hasn't featured uh, in that competition. I think he has. I, I think, think he, he did play. Briefly. I'm not sure he played the full season, but okay. I saw some it, footage of scoring a try for them. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm probably going a bit more... Um, I'm being a bit more critical than maybe is necessary, but my my point is that we seem to... Um, you know, Waratah's trade on names and star power, and I always have an uncomfortable feeling that there's guys in the ranks below that are either overlooked or underutilised if they are selected and contracted, and we lose them. It just doesn't feel like we develop any combinations. You don't have a young, a young pair of backs who come through and you think, oh, when these two guys hit the, hit the starting lineup, they've played together through school boys or they've played together through NRC and it's going to be a great combination and that's the next generation. I always feel like the Waratahs are just buying in the latest name. They have... The Tars have also lost people like Andrew Kellaway and Tan Kelly Nairavora. They have two big names they need to try and um, replace. Yeah, they so, should. Have, so yeah. they have a few of these spots to give it to, and they they have brought um, what four four guys in with Adam Ashley Cooper, John Flau, and then sort of two guys that are a bit more unknown, sort of Ben Donaldson, James Ram, sort of signed from NRC as well, and Carmichael Hunt, and Carmichael Hunt as well. Yeah, so they I mean, have they have they given do have, some. Yeah. They have a history of this as well. Like, I remember they brought in Nathan Blacklock, Tamana Tahu. Like, they've done this for years. Tahu was good, though. Um, they're not, yeah. Look, they probably had their moments. Blacklock had a few good games where he was remarkable, but then, you know, didn't do much after that. But it's funny that we're criticizing the Waratahs after they made the semifinals last year. They always seem to, when you kind of write them off a little bit or say they're not doing the right thing, they, they tend to perform. So it's going to be really interesting to see some of these guys, particularly guys like John Folau, who have been, you know, talked up a little bit in the preseason. Um, but you're right, Lee. I think when you mention the the second row, that's still a bit of an issue for us, particularly when we're still relying on an ageing Rob Simmons and, and Tom Staniforth is probably our starting locks. So... Whether we go back to Jed playing second row, maybe that. Yeah, I think you'll you know, see that very early. I think I think that's got to happen. I think yeah. it's got to happen. Um, but full, fully fled, fully fit Jack Dempsey and that's it. fully fit Ned Hannigan in the back row with hoops, pretty decent. Yeah, it's whether it's whether those guys like Larue Routes is actually up to it, or whether he's just a big aggressive guy that is good for twenty minutes and not much more than that. Yeah, if if we could get another Jack Spotkeeper out here and. If this is the way we get it, that'd be amazing. But whether whether we yeah. um, actually get that or not is st- still to be seen. Let's let's have a quick chat about the Sunwolves, um, and then we'll have a bit of a wrap up of this Australian conference. And oh, every time I read this, like it just sends a bit more of a dagger through my heart. 
Um, Sean McMahon signed for the Sunwolves, playing for Japan this year, and therefore not eligible for Wallaby selection. The big man who spent some time in Japan in their club system, and now he's coming back to Super Rugby, but not in the way we wanted. Yeah, it's um, it's a real shame, and I think he's he's probably been able to play top league Japan and he's now going to play for the Sunwolves, and he's being able to basically play those contracts back-to-back. So he probably makes twice as much money that way. Mm. Um, so it's it's hard to blame him. He's making the most of his you know, rugby career in terms of financially, but he's going to miss out on a World Cup, um, and there's no guarantee. Who knows? Four years is a long time, and there's no guarantee he's going to be around for the next one. So it's a shame, um, but... The guy's been offered a lot. Like, Checker tried so hard to get him back late last year. They were really pushing hard for him to get back to the to one of the Australian Super Rugby teams, but they couldn't make it happen. So, it's it's yeah, it's tough. Um, but, you know, we, we do have some good back rowers anyway, which is a good thing. I mean, still having Pocock and Hooper there for this World Cup, hopefully, should um, make you feel a bit better, Arch. But Sean McMahon, you'd love to have him coming off the bench at the very least. That's right. They do have a few other big names. Rennie Ranger, Hendrick Tui coming back. Um, definitely got a few. Like Tony Brown, who's the standing in for Jamie Joseph this year, has definitely used his New Zealand connections. You see a lot of people coming across from these uh, Otago and from the Chiefs and from the Blues. Well, how many you got, their, their you got? Stocks. One, two, three. Yeah, like four, five, six, seven, eight at least eight or nine players coming across from New Zealand. And that's adding um, on to the guys they already had, like Jason Emery, Hayden yeah. Parker, um, a, yeah. lot, a lot of these people. Michael Leach. Michael Leach, yeah, previous years. Yeah, like Hen- they, they've got Henrik Tui now playing in, in the back row for them. They've got Dan Pryor, um, who was at the Highlanders, who you notice for those dreadlocks. Mate, they've... The thing is, they've got guys that work hard in New Zealand rugby that are probably quite underrated and don't get their opportunity at an all-black level because New Zealand has so much talent. And so their level of skill and, you know, even at Super Rugby, their level of skill is just so high. And so they come into a a Sunwolves team um, and collectively they can just make such a difference to the team. Like Hayden Parker, so underrated at the Highlanders, we barely would have talked about him in the past. And then suddenly he gets a new lease on life at the Sunwolves and gets his time to shine so you can see that happening with a few more of these Kiwi guys and Tony Brown's a very smart coach it seems like he can piece things together pretty quickly so expect another big leap forward I think from this team so that, out of that Australian conference give, give us your pick guys who, who do you think's going to end up on top Waratahs but um, I'm once again like last year expecting big things out of the Reds oh man that's that's interesting. I, I think the Rebels this year may be able to pip the Waratahs, but I think actually the Sunwolves could be... Actually, it's really tough in this conference now. It's actually a pretty well-balanced conference. Balanced. I don't see a weak team, really. Because I can almost see the Brumbies being the weakest team, which is really strange to say that. Uh, it's probably got a lot to do with their recruitment, but, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a bit of a... I think it'll be very even. Uh, I know we we kind of went for the the Rebels last year, but Arch, you're a big fan of those. I think the Rebels will be better this year. I think they can get it. 
Yeah, I think a lot comes down to what Quaid can do. If he can reignite a bit of that magic with Will Genier in the halves, that'll that'll play a big part um, in directing the Rebels around and scoring a lot of points. But let's not forget about Matt Tamua being there as well. Like that's massive once they get him at inside center. Yeah, though it may not be very many games that they get get out of him in this season, um, depending on how deep yeah. Leicester Tigers go uh, into their True. into True. their contract, but. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to say the Rebels again. I actually think the Reds are going to, like Leo says, push for the top um, spot in this conference, though. I think it's going to be a three-way shootout between the Rebels, Tars, and Rebels, uh, and Reds. Sorry. Um, but, yeah, it's, ex- it's exciting times when you look through it in this. Are there, any yeah. big, are there any big signings from any of the other clubs or big losses that you guys uh, noticed and want to make, make mention of? I have a few written down here. Did you want to say something quickly, Leo? Uh, all I was going to say is that look at the the Rebels, the Brumbies, and the Reds last year um, failed to have a winning season. So they're all they're all trying to get up into the into the winner's circle. The Waratahs just always seem to grind out. You know, the last year was sixteen games, nine wins. Like they seem to grind out that uh, acceptable amount. You know, just enough to to get through when they're not having a like a traditionally strong year. But yeah, the, for the Rebels and the Reds to pick up two, three extra wins this year, and then they're going to be in the the winning, the, uh, they're going to have winning seasons. And and if they're taking those off the Waratahs and Brumbies, definitely the Rebels and Reds could be the top two. I I'm going out on a limb and saying that I think we'll see a lot more Australian Conference wins overseas this year, whether that's in South Africa or in New Zealand as we only got the one last year. I hope so. That's all we need. So, I mean, yeah, exciting stuff for the, the Australian conference, but we obviously have the two other conferences that we can talk about. A few moves sort of going on. Not as many, I think, um, in those other conferences as we see in the Australian one. Um, I'll run through just a few from the New Zealand ones. You guys can stop me if anything sounds too interesting. I mean, we've talked about Jack Debrasini heading over to the Chiefs and seeing what he can do there. Um, the Blues will have Ma Nonu coming back um, to join Sonny Bill Williams in the midfield, and they still have Tano Munga, but Leon McDonald coming in to head coach for them this year. Uh, Highlanders have lost Lima Sopoanga, um, so a bit of a quandary for them on who's going to play fly half. But yeah, they, that's that's a big one. They're going to have to work yeah. through. Yeah, that'll be very Bryn interesting. Gatland. They're a really strong team. Mm. Bryn Gatlin coming from the Blues, was it? So. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully he gets his chance. He did shine on occasion for the Blues last year, but also had his struggles as well. So if he can build into the Highlanders, then they'll, they'll be staying up with the rest of the New Zealand pack, but definitely big challenges for them. Yeah, it's, you're right. There's not actually a lot of movement. I mean, not a lot of interesting movement in these Kiwi teams. If you look at the Crusaders, for example, they've barely brought anyone in. Mm. Um, Does such that say something about them? them? preparing for the World Cup year that, that they've made all their moves, their acquisitions and trades and releasing Maybe. players, developing players, and they are now, most of their super teams are set up to spend 2019 with existing combinations, you know, putting the finishing touches and polish on certain players, combinations, tactics, and just coming into the, the Super Rugby season and World Cup with, you know, the best head start they could possibly give themselves just stability. Mm. 
Yeah, I think that's a good theory, definitely. Yeah, it does It does feel like the um, New Zealand teams are about six to nine months ahead of um, what we're doing here, and they've already, yeah, as you said, solidified those squads. Crusaders, the only person I could see they lost is Tamani Malu. They won't have him, but they have plenty of talent uh, through people like George Bridge and Israel Dagg and these guys on their wings. Um, and the Hurricanes lost Brad Shields. Uh, though he doesn't really come into all-black plans, playing for England now, and Julian Salabio is left there. Um, but otherwise, not much change. And it's it's a bit of a similar uh, story over there in South Africa as well. Um, there's been minimal change through the Sharks. Uh, they look like they have a very solid team and have kept all their sort of premier players. Same with the Stormers. The, the Lions are losing uh, Mostert out of their second row and Jaco Krill. They've both headed up to the Northern Hemisphere, which I think is a bit of a loss for them. You may see that affect the Lions sort of uh, forward pack a little bit more, though Yako Kuro hardly pl- uh, didn't play last year at all. Um, and the Bulls have lost their head coach, John Mitchell, who was accredited with a lot in terms of bringing that sort of... bringing that... Toby's just flashing me up. Rohan Janssen's Rensburg for the Lions. I did see that he the left bridge. as well. I feel like we spent a lot of time talking about such an irrelevant player last year. Maybe we should yeah, try should not to keep doing that. Yeah. I don't even watch him here. He moves to England. I've just like not paid attention at all to what he's doing at the South Sharks, but I just see his name here. I think it's just the name. And then like his head and his body is just like just a fridge. <laughs> it's just his so name, weird. his head and his body. Yeah. Yeah, there's just three components and that's it. And like no one really cares, but like you know, he left. He was a great player. The Lions are a great team. I reckon the Lions are going to fall off a bit this year. Yeah, I think the Sharks are going to step up again this year. I reckon I'd, I'd pip them for winning the, the South African Conference. Oh, and the Haguaris, which we, we can't forget about our, our friends from South America, the Argentinians. They've, they've lost Nick Sanchez, their, their little general, um, leading them around. That's their biggest name mm-hmm. to lose. And they were such a settled team last year and they and they were finding some of that form as the Pumas as well. Sanchez playing out of his skin, definitely one of his uh, finest seasons and, and another telling loss like the Highlanders to lose a fly half who's been so central to his success in recent seasons. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch them overcome that and see if they can keep the momentum up because, again, for them, stability in that um, Hagawara's side should give them stability in the Pumas in a World Cup year so a little bit of a hurdle for them to overcome Yeah and changing coach with Ledesma moving to the, the Pumas you got Gonzalo Quesada who have come from Beirutz apparently so new coach for them again um, which could disrupt things a little bit more um, but again you know they've got quality players there they just need to be consistent as we always talk about. Be disciplined and um, you know keep those combinations. Keep keep injury injury free. Presumably, Ledesma is not going to be far away at any time. Like he's, yeah. he's not yeah, got too much kinda, else to yeah. watch than these guys, so he's going to have a guiding hand. But yeah, I guess it's it's it then comes down to the halftime talks and the pregame talks, and then can this new coach motivate the guys the way Ledesma could? Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. So, do you guys have any inkling of who you think is going to win this Super Rugby season? This is going to be another year of the Crusader. Oh, they're um, going to be there. They're going to be in and around it. It's be like, in the, like top, the Highlanders top four. in the top, top four. 
top four. I think it's still probably Crusaders and Hurricanes in the top of the New Zealand echelon. Look out for the Blues. This could be the year that they push through. No, seriously, I think some of their recruitment's been strong. Nah. Um, Every year. stepped down from... I don't know. It was Archie last year. Archie was pumping the Blues last year. Sorry to remind you of that. They won the Brisbane 10s. I stand by it. Speaking of which, the Brisbane 10s just disappeared this year. It's always in the bellwether of who's going to win Super Rugby, the Brisbane 10s. What a shame. Yeah. What a shame that the Brisbane 10s are gone. We didn't need them. We have 7s. We don't need 10s. Like... Yeah, 10s is nonsense. <laughs> it's like the Auckland Knights. It's like we don't uh, really need that. I think you're right about the Sharks. I think they've got a good core. That's, again, stability, young guys, another year more experienced, another year um, you know, less daunted by the prospect of taking on all these strong international star-studded player uh, teams. I think the Haguaris should still be strong. I like the tip on the Sunwolves being a lot stronger. I think it's probably a, it could be a Hags, Sharks, Crusaders, Hurricanes, and then maybe will be Rebels, maybe Waratahs. This is probably a top six, two from each conference. Yeah, I, I would like suggest that, that. I would suggest that probably the New Zealand and Australian teams, or New Zealand probably look as strong, apart from maybe the Highlanders. Yeah. Um, and I think the Australian conference... But don't discount the Chiefs. I love... Yeah, I'm yeah, keen on can't. the Chiefs this year. I think yeah, they're going to... They were starting to fire last year and they looked super dangerous. And they were super injury riddled. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they're one of those teams that always seem to For find adversity. a way to perform pretty well. Um, I think the Australian teams could learn a lot from that. But hopefully we just don't see too many injuries this year because we want to see the top guys at the World Cup. Um, but I'm excited, I think, for a you know, fully um, you know, uninterrupted, uninterrupted Super Rugby season. I think that's really important, and hopefully that's something we can continue to see going forward now that there's been that adjust- adjustment of the, of the international rugby windows. Um, but, yeah, that's, I think Super Rugby, it's a, it's a great product. We just need to make sure we're fostering it because... Um, yeah, this, this, too much expansion. We're kind of at a good level at the moment. I think we just got to persevere. That's it. Another year settled always helps. And look, it's a couple of weeks still till the first round. Um, but we've got some trial games that have been happening. Brumbies um, took on and beat the Rebels this last week. The Tars are heading to New Zealand to take on the Highlanders. Uh, so we've got a few games that you'll see. You got, start to see some of this talent sort of heading through. Um, the other thing that we should probably mention quickly is the Six Nations over in Toby's neck of the woods is kicking off this weekend, and that's got France versus Wales over in Paris, uh, Scotland versus Italy up in Murrayfield, and probably the biggest one, Ireland versus England over in Dublin at Viva Stadium. My tips for the Six Nations, are, I'm, I'm going to go, I know Wales are pretty highly ranked at the moment, but I'm, I'm actually going to go France at home. Uh, I think they're... They've looked good in patches. They're always they're always in the game. Uh, we saw last year against strong opposition, they always stayed competitive and, and mentally didn't drop off until they were well beaten. I think they've probably got it at home against Wales. Scotland should should beat Italy. I think you'd be seeing uh, some sort of uh, record broken there if Italy won an away game, wouldn't we? And Apocalypse. Ireland, Ireland over England for sure. Um, Ireland's still the strongest team in the uh, Northern Hemisphere and and off the back of last year, couldn't possibly tip England in this fixture. 
Yeah, I'm probably going to be a bit more boring. I think Wales probably, um, I think still with Gatlin there, they're a smarter team. I think Wales can probably do it over France early on in the competition. Scotland, look, I think, yeah, they're still a team that's very strong at home and Italy just still, yeah, I don't think they're going to be up to it. And like you say, Leo, Ireland, look, how can you go past them? I think England will give them a good run for their money, but I think at home as well, like, Ireland should win this Six Nations and I would imagine they're going to try and rumble through to the World Cup on that type of form. So they're probably the three for me and I think it's going to be an interesting competition this year because we saw some surprises last year and I think it's going to going to be similar. There'll be some upsets for sure. Yeah, I, I hope we see some good upsets in this. I, I was thinking about whether I could go anywhere against you boys, but I don't think I can. I think I've got to go the same as Toby Wales, Scotland and Ireland. If, it, if the Ireland-England game was over in Twickenham, I think I'd be pretty close to tipping what England can do there um, because that's always just a really tough place to go to and win, even though Ireland did manage to do it last year. And, yeah, like you said, Leo, France are always a dark horse, especially in a World Cup year. They can, they can look terrible in Six Nations and then pull it together um, or they can just turn it on and be strong all year. Um, but... Interesting to see, especially leading up to the World Cup, how the, how these teams start to look and how they're shaping up. The yeah. only... No, there's good tips, boys. I can definitely see Wales getting up and no one really wants to tip France or England and no one ever tips Italy, so I can <laughs> see why you've gone the way you've gone. I like um, but no, I think early in the season at home, I think that's if France is going to beat one of the stronger sides, that's I feel like that's when they're going to do it before the scoreboard says they shouldn't be able to beat them. I like France. France are good. And other things that's kicking off, and or actually has already kicked off, Major League Rugby, um, as we said, expanded competition this year with their second year um, of the competition with Toronto Arrows coming in and Rugby United New York uh, coming in as well. And I think they had their first win uh, over last weekend, didn't they, Tobes? Yeah, mate, they've got the, a very narrow win over the San Diego Legion down there in San Diego. You had... Paddy Ryan at tight head prop there for that team, the Legion. Ah. So we're gonna we're actually seeing yeah we're seeing some some more notable names come into Major League Rugby. You had Ben Foden I think playing outside centre for Rugby United New York, um, and a few other Irish guys that have come into that New York team. So look, it's it's still early days for this this kind of competition, but there's further expansion that's already been planned and. I think, look, it's it's only a good thing that we're seeing rugby grow a lot more in North America, as we've talked about in the past. And, you know, they even had the, the New York versus San Diego game streaming live and HG stream on Facebook there. So it's yeah. it's something you can can watch, even though you think, you know, it, it might be pretty hard to, to get a look on this kind of content. It is out there if you, if you have a look at their Facebook page. So give them a follow and, and support it because I think, you know, in um, in future years, it's going to be a significant competition um, with a lot of money flowing through it. So good to see. Yeah, and we'll we'll keep tabs on that and keep you updated and how that's sort of looking. The other thing to look forward to this weekend, it is definitely all kicking off because the Sydney Sevens are back in town. Unfortunately, not at Allianz Stadium because those refurbishments are starting to happen. Be out at Homebush, um, but Australia looking to try and go back to back in. Um, Sydney Sevens titles with the men and women winning last year. Um, Australia in a group with South Africa, Tonga and Argentina. That's the men, while our women are in a group with China, USA and Spain. Uh, so we'd hope to see 
um, some success from both of those teams. Um, I hope to see at least the women get up here. They definitely have the talent bringing people back, um, like Kasich, um, Charlotte Kasich's coming back from injury and Tony Gata's joined, joined the squad back for this as well. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it might be pretty hot out there. Hopefully, not too bad at home, Bush. But it's always a good day out or a good few days out if you can make it that long. But um, sevens is still just chugging along, and um, it always has a lot of entertainment value there. Mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll be heading along for a little bit of that to see some of the finals. So I'll, I'll let you know how it goes, Tobes. Um, the other thing, and it feels like there's just so much. We're also waiting to see a little bit more about global rapid rugby because that's still. Um, boiling along in the background and a um, bit of buzz still going on about that competition. Uh, we're still waiting to hear a little bit more about the schedules and things to still waiting to be released. But uh, as soon as those come out, we'll, we'll bring them straight to you and let you know exactly what's going on with that as well. Yeah, I think there's there's going to definitely be an announcement soon about that and we'll have a lot more details around the teams and whether exactly when they're going to be playing, where they're going to be playing, um, and some of the you know jerseys, logos, things like that. Exciting stuff that we're going to see come out of Asia. So, um, Also, Arch, I think we might even have a, a pretty exciting interview that's going to hopefully come down the pipeline in the next couple of months if we can get things together. So yeah. that's something to look forward to too for Global Rapid Rugby. But, um, yeah, we're eagerly awaiting anything that comes out about that because it's, um, you know, it's looking set to rival, I guess, Super Rugby in, in the coming years. Yeah, definitely. It's it's only going to get bigger and bigger if, if Twiggy Forest has anything to do with it. Uh, but we'll, we'll definitely hear, hopefully, a bit more about that soon. Um, that's pretty much all we need to talk about. We'll be back probably in two weeks, just a preview before the first round of Super Rugby. Uh, this year, we'll also be opening up a little bit of a tipping comp, um, so you guys can tip against us. Uh, we'll, we'll bring you a bit more information about that Uh either on the pod in two weeks or stay tuned to our Twitter and um, social media and Instagram accounts as well. Um, they're on at Running Rugby Podcast for Facebook and Instagram and at Running Rugby Pod for Twitter. So subscribe, guys, follow that. You get a lot of extra content. You get a lot of extra breaking news. And as I said, we'll be setting up that tipping um, account for us as well. Uh, well, well, it's it's been a... Bit of a longer one, Tobes, uh, but our first one back, we've shaken, shaken the dust off. We're getting back into the swing of things for another Running Rugby podcast year. Yeah, mate, it's going to be a huge year. It's, uh, you know, it's going to be a long year with the World Cup there and concentration of games. And, you know, we're going to be talking about rugby all across the world, not just here in Australia and, and in the Southern Hemisphere. We're going to be reaching far more abroad than that. So... You know, everyone should be tuning in regularly and we'll, we'll keep you up to date as well as we can and, um, you know, hopefully have some fun along the way. Exactly. Good to hear. And remember, those places to tune in and subscribe are on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify and Stitcher as well. So search for us, guys. Have a listen. We've got everything you need to know about rugby on this show. Keep on running. Run. Cycle we've got like Tamua playing back the Rebels eventually. Carmichael gets a second chance. Quaid's going to be somewhere like so much better. Phipps apparently signed with London Irish for next year. Boom, 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 Jake Gordon. 
good. It's finally happened. 